Hi, good afternoon and welcome to the latest edition of Lunchtime Learnings. It's been a while, so um, I'm delighted to be back. And I'm also delighted to be joined today by Steph Walker, who is the Operations Director and Founder of the Agency UK. So thank you very much, Steph, for joining us. Um, and also um, one of the mentors on Agents Together. And I have had exceptional um, feedback about you and what you're doing and, and helping people. So um, thank you very much for that. Um, I know all of the founder members are incredibly grateful for not just you, but I think there's over um, oh, 270 odd mentors now, which is absolutely incredible. So thank you. No, thank you. It's great to, be, so great to be a part of it. Brilliant. So, who's Steph Walker? Tell us a little bit about yourself. And I know you started in agency working for your, for working with your family. So tell us what that was like to begin with and how you've gone from working with your family to being a, a, a founder and operations director of the agency UK. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I posted uh, on LinkedIn yesterday about how so many estate agents say they fell into a estate agency you know kind of didn't know what else to do and so you suddenly ended up being an estate agent and it was completely the opposite for me i think it was almost predestined that i was going to be an estate agent um as exciting or as sad as that may sound um but yeah my parents had uh, their own uh, 15 branch independent estate agency across merseyside in lancashire um they ran that together, started in you know, one branch, grew over over time. Um, and it, just conversation around the dining room table, dining room table would be property and this, that and the other. So I probably soaked in a lot uh, without even realising it from a very young age. And I, I suppose I was a bit of anno an annoying child, really. And um, I think my mum just wanted to give me something to do during the school holidays. Um, and it was the summer that I took my GCSEs um that finished and I was like oh what do I do so she said right you're going to go and work in the Ormsgate branch uh, for a lovely lady called Karen and Karen sat me at the desk and went like this with a stack of papers and they were uh, MA forms and she was like ring them see if they want to come on the market <laughs> what does this even mean I have no idea but I really really enjoyed it loved being on the phone um wasn't afraid to speak to people um again i'll probably waffle during this so i apologize in advance uh, to anyone watching but uh yeah i took a role um as the sort of weekend negotiator so i mean bad decision when you're 17 and 18 to decide that you have to be in a brunch on a saturday and sunday morning in the early hours didn't always feel tip top um and uh just really really enjoyed it I, I went to uni or I attempted uni and it was a really bad decision. I didn't enjoy it at all, but I also went to take music. <laughs> um, and I said, where am I going to earn money in, in music? You know, looking at a, a Beethoven score and deciding why I decided to put a C minor here. And it just wasn't for me, it wasn't for me at all. Uh, and I said to my mum, I want to drop out. And she said, well, if you're going to drop out, you need to have a full-time job by the end of summer or I'm kicking you out of home. Now, I don't think she was really ever going to do that, but it was <laughs> gave me the, the sort of um, get up and go. Uh, and one of my friends, they've since sold their estate agency. Um, they agreed a deal on uh, end of December 2008, which they try and say was um, their stroke of genius. But it was just good luck uh, with their timing. Um, and a girl I'd worked with had gone to set up on her own. And I said, I need a job. 
uh, I've done it on the weekends before. You've worked with me, and anyway, as they say, the uh, you know the the rest is history. Um, I uh, stayed there for about a year or so. Um, but often, you know, when the owner of the agency is also the lister and the branch manager, you can feel there's a little bit of a ceiling. And so I decided just to throw my CV out there with a few white lies on there. I did say I was the branch manager and managed to blag myself a branch manager's role for um, a sort of new up and coming high end boutique style uh, agency. Uh, really enjoyed that there, there for a year and I felt as much as I had my mum and dad that I could lean on in terms of questions and how would they deal with this scenario. Um, strangely, I wanted to go and work for a corporate and countrywide. So uh, the brand in my area was Entwistle Green. Countrywide were hiring. Um, they were only hiring for training negotiators though at that time. But I thought, well, hey, you know, uh, get my foot in the door. Anyway, I went for an interview and uh, lo and behold, they, they gave me a branch. A massively failing branch, which was good fun. Um, but yeah, um, and I absolutely loved it. Loved it. Loved my time at Countrywide. Um, we, we turned that particular branch around. Um, I had my very best friend who became my best friend through Countrywide was my senior neg. She was then able to come with me to the next branch. I made a fantastic team. Um, and I suppose that, like anything, it just got to the point again where I'd run a couple of branches. We were being very, very successful. Um, I was never allowed a lister because I was too good at listing. They'd never let me get a lister. And I thought, you know, I really enjoy the develop, development of people side of things. And I'm never going to be able to do that here. And unless I kill off my area manager, I can never step up. So um, uh, a good group of clients of mine who are actually uh, property investors had decided to set up uh, an estate agency business. And so I went and, 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 uh, and joined them. And that was probably my last two, three years on the high street um, before... Yeah, I went over to the purple you went, side. You went, <laughs> you went to the dark side or the purple side, yeah. It's, it's funny, people are always like, you know, why you know, did you just hate the high street? Is that why you wanted to join Purple Bricks? And it wasn't that at all. Um, but, you know, I'd come to a time in a small independent. You know, I, I didn't have £100,000 plus in my own bank to go and set up completely on my own. And every day does become very, very similar. I think when you're constrained in those four walls of a branch and that's all you've ever experienced. And to have something different to talk to a client about, to say, here's this wonderful piece of technology where you're gonna come along for the ride with us. There's, you know, everything's gonna be completely open and transparent. You can see what I see. We work together on getting this house sold. It was something completely different. And from my perspective, it wasn't necessarily about having a cheaper fee either because I operated on Merseyside, um, 44 postcodes, which was madness. But, um, you know, I was selling sometimes 50, 60,000 pounds homes. So it was never about the fee. It was more about sitting with those customers, having them on that journey with you, it being something slightly different and really service uh, oriented. And, you know, I think, Purple Bricks has done us a massive favour in the industry because although some agents like to say they started the race to the bottom on fees, that had been happening years and years before PB. I think if anything, it made lots of agents sit up and say, well, if they can do that at that level, at that pricing structure, and I want to charge more, I've got to up my game. 
And I genuinely think no fantastic agent ever lost out to a poorer agent just because they were PB with a cheaper fit. I actually agree with you on that. <laughs> I'm not sure about the rest of the stuff about purple bricks, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, but you know what? I think you're right. I think purple purple bricks did disrupt the industry and it did give the industry a kick up the backside that it most probably needed to demonstrate why you should be adding value, why you are you why you are worth, you know, um, the investment in your services. And that, you know, if agents, you know, should be getting the one and a half and the two percent, whereas they were fighting, well, let's be as um, cheap as we possibly can. And, um, you know, how some of them are still in business, I will never know. Um, it's crazy. Hi, Mark. Thanks for joining us. I will call you back, I promise, a bit later. Just had a couple of training sessions this morning. Um, so and then you went to America. Yeah. Yeah, got to live in California. Wow. 15 minutes Laguna Beach that way, 15 minutes Newport Beach that way. Pretty, pretty cool. Um, Eye-opening, though. Probably not what I expected it to be, um, which kind of shaped a lot of decisions that we've made in, in our business now. Um, but just from an experience point of view, the lifestyle, um, being able to make the most of more hours in your day just because the weather's fantastic, um yeah what an experience true and then back we were hated then... out there as pb more than we were hated here in the uk though so that was fun too <laughs> but you know what there's 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 so many things that you've discussed already and i want to come on to what you did when you came back from america um but that's interesting because i want to if you don't mind can i unpack some of the things that you said um and actually that's most probably a good place to start about hatred um and and overcoming overcoming i suppose adversity and overcoming all the comments that people you know rightly or wrongly okay because we're all going to have different opinions on the subject um but just how do you overcome so if you're you know a new agent on here or you're watching or you know how do you become resilient to you know what people were saying because let's face it a lot of people were saying um nasty things uh, most probably to your face and behind your face as well um depending on who was in linkedin at the time and who, <laughs> and, who, and, who and who your friends were and not but how do you overcome that um hatred that you know i just you know really you know purple bricks they're just a disgrace you know what they're doing to the industry is awful i mean you must have pretty uh, um be you know be able to take it well so you know for people that are listening watching you know what lessons can you learn from that i think and, and it's difficult right uh, and as resilient uh, as you think you are there's always going to be those days um that you see something can invariably it will be online um that make you think oh, is that really how people see me there was a website once called purplebricksucks.com um and this gentleman had written all sorts about some people who are my really really close friends and, and me included and i think it starts with you having the belief that what you're doing and the reasons that you're doing it um 
is true to who you are and 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 how you want to be thought of and and look opinions are great aren't they because we never ever ask for them and we always get them but you know what we were never as purple bricks and this is how i believe it we were never trying to um unnecessarily reduce fees uh we weren't trying to shut down high street or traditional estate agents we were simply offering an option for the consumer where there hadn't really been a differentiated option before. And, and options are great, right? Because actually I genuinely believe if I hadn't have joined Purple Bricks and people kept continuing to want to use me, it would be because clearly my offering was suitable to, to those clients. So I think we can all get really caught up in almost just worrying too much about what other people do. Because if, if you don't get it, if you don't like it, don't worry about it. Just keep being you, doing what you do brilliantly, and the customers are going to be there, 100%. So I think, I think that, yeah, the first step is really just having that belief that, look, I'm on the right path, I'm working with the right kind of people uh, around me. We have a belief in what we're trying to do. Um, and that makes you feel good about yourself because, yeah, you couldn't go on pie as a PB um, uh, individual employee or territory owner or LPE, you know, four or five years ago. Um, I mean, they, they mentioned Michael and Kenny Bruce because they've got nothing else to write about. I mean, it, it got to the point of it being boring, but if you allowed yourself to get sucked into the comments, um, you'd feel like you wanted to get up in arms because actually these were, these are your teammates. These other people are on the same journey as you and they don't deserve, um, you know, ridiculing from Mr Anonymous over here um you know I, I actually made my first ever and probably only ever comment I will make on pie last week did it under my own name because I believe if I've got something to say I should be proud to stand behind that with my own name you know but again that could be a conversation that could take us off into the ether for for hours and hours so yeah I think to, to try and answer your question without wandering off on a tangent again <laughs> resilience is being happy with what you're setting out to do, surrounding yourself with other like-minded individuals and, you know, trying as best possible to understand that those that want to bring others down must be really sad about something in their own lives, must be really deeply unhappy because most of us haven't got the time of the day in our busy lives between work and family and all these things to be so consumed with hatred or nitpicking so even if you are subjected to some of this sometimes sit back and think about all the wonderful things that are actually going on in in your life and also give yourself a pat on the back that you're not one of these sad little trolls that are taking up that time of your day i ain't got time <laughs> i'm busy <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a really good point you make. Um, I don't know if you ever followed David Goggins yeah. um, and he talks about having a cookie jar. So, you know, when you are feeling down, put all the things in there that you've achieved um, and then pick, pick it out, pick a cookie from the jar and remember all the good stuff that you've done, you know, and there is loads of good stuff, um, you know, and obviously with my situation and what's happened to me this year, you know, I've had to learn resilience and, um, that's what I've started to do, you know, start putting in all these um, 
reminders that there are better times ahead and there have been better times in the past um, and just getting on with it. So moving on, um, I want to come back to you were a phenomenal lister. Okay. <laughs> so what does it take? It's a bit of me to say that, wasn't it? <laughs> That's it. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Okay. So um, what do you think it takes to be a great listener? Because there's going to be people again on here that are, you know, maybe listening for the first time. They've just got into agency. There are some people that are negotiators that want to be listers. There's some listers on here who I'm sure always constantly want to improve and get better. So what would be Steph's top tips to be a phenomenal lister? Do you know what? I don't think there's some sort of secret source or formula and and just in general in a state agency we're always forever chasing this golden goose that doesn't exist and the minute we find it life will be brilliant and the instructions are all in and we'll never have to worry about anything just the comment that i always got when i asked people why did you choose to list with me was that they genuinely felt i was as excited as them to go on this journey with them as passionate I loved their home like they loved it. Um, and that's the thing I did hear time and time again. So, that, you know, that isn't essentially me saying I'm supremely talented. That's just me saying I, I loved meeting that customer in their living room on that first day and looking around thinking, oh, how are we going to photograph this house? What are the things we can put in the brochure that's going to really make this stand out? You know, I've stood in, you know, people's showers holding cameras at weird angles and crouching down on the floor to make things look brilliant back in the day before pro photography really was something that you know is just kind of run of the mill um and seeing people kind of take a step back and because they're worried right they're nervous they're apprehensive they've heard bad tales maybe they've had a bad experience in the past they want to move but they're not necessarily looking forward to the process so kind of sitting with them there in their home and going, it's all right, I'm, I'm going to be here for you and let me take some of that stress from you and we'll go into this together. You kind of see them relax and you're there for them throughout that journey at the end. You know, they do move. Um, you know, I can remember I've got favourite customers in my mind, like I loved most of them, but the certain ones that just stick in your mind because of either it was a difficult sale or actually it was just dead easy and you got on with them so well um I, I just got a buzz out of it and i think it was just that genuine enthusiasm that that is there you know i've gone into houses before where i didn't have a clue i didn't have a clue about the price never stepped in one you know when i first um ran a countrywide branch i was working in a part of merseyside called formby it's fairly well known because all of the everton and liverpool football players choose to live there so yes you have your three bed 1970s detached homes run of the mill you're going to know what you're going to go in in price but then you've got massive mansions and i was 21 when i took over that that uh, brand and i was going into all these different homes and i think it was genuinely just sitting there and going i, I want to be a part of this journey with you i'm going to do it to the very very best of my ability i'm going to be available when you need me to um yeah let me be a helping hand and yeah no secret sauce no yeah, well, I think what you've demonstrated is I can hear in your voice your passion and your energy. And I can imagine what you were like and the enthusiasm and every market appraisal. But there was something also yesterday I came across from Josh Vegan, which I really liked. And I think it's something that you, you just touched on there. And Josh spoke, he said, you don't sell a house, you maximise the price. 
you reduce the risk, you make it easy, you give peace of mind, you provide expert advice, you could create you create a competitive environment, you progress their plans, you help the future happen, you give them the greatest luxury of all time. And I thought, you know what? That just absolutely sums it up because you know most people when they're going in will think actually what does the estate agent do they just sell a house yeah and actually you're not just selling a house um you know so i i thought that was exceptional yeah i really um, like that good hmm. I, I may share it with you if i'm nice <laughs> I'll, 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 i will um send it over to you for sure um so thank you for that the other thing you talked about earlier that i wanted to unpack is that you came into a failing office and you um managed to turn it around so again more secret sauce please is there secret sauce in in turning it round? um you know what 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 were the how did yeah. you manage to do it so for that particular office I think they'd struggled quite a bit. It formed it's this lovely kind of village town uh, in, in, in Merseyside. Um, fairly expensive price point uh, in comparison to some of the rest of the region. And it really is an aspirational place where people want to, to go and live. Um, but also quite traditional because people don't generally tend to move out of there. You know, they move in with their family, uh, they stay, they grow, they upsize, downsize, etc., etc. So Entwistle Green at the time was probably quite corporate-y corporate. Um, it looked corporate. They, uh, back in the day, obviously I've not worked for Countrywide for many, many years and I loved my time at Countrywide and I'll never say anything different. Um, but they used to run lots of these sort of, um, I don't know, seasonal campaigns and you'd have this four foot squirrel you'd have to stick in your window. Or there was one in our particular brand that was a Superman um, sort of uh, campaign. And it was just too corporate. It wasn't what this gorgeous little um, village wanted. I mean, Formby has a day called D Dickensian Day where everybody in the village dresses up, um, you know, out of a Charles Dickens novel and has a little sort of um, market town um, uh, market in the street. So it was just, I think, the wrong uh, approach initially. Um, and obviously what you can't do when you've not got a sustainable track record is more than likely go in and charge way more than everybody else. You've got to build that over time. Um, and often with the corporates, there's a lot of swapping and changing, right? So the staff aren't always there for, for a very long time. Although we had a great lady who'd worked there for a long time, just managers in and out and that kind of stuff. So we just studied the ship. We went out and you know looked at the most transient roads you know, where the most transient roads in Formby, they're the ones that we're going to want to try and target because what it will give us is some good track record to, to go off the back of. Um, you know, we're going to make sure that Letty, who is the senior negotiator, she's going to play a much bigger part in, in that transaction because she's our local gal. She's lived in Formby for many, many years. She knows everybody. Uh, by virtue of that, she should have been, you know, market leader uh, of that town. Just being really consistent. Um, and I think that persistent consistency is the only way to start to build that track record. And I always like to say that, you know, for every one piece of business that you've got, try and get another piece of business from that. 
um, because that's working smarter rather than harder, right? I'm not saying I'm lazy, but I definitely don't want to work hard if I don't need to. Um, so I just became rigorous, actually, with my prospecting. Uh, it sounds really boring, doesn't it? But, you know, every time I was going out, what do we used to call it back in the day? You know, when you were going out to evaluation on the road, let me tell the road I'm going to be there. Um, when I take that property to market, let me tell the road that that's what I've just done. And this is the plan with it. When we get that property under offer, let me tell them. You know, when we complete on that uh, property, let me tell them again. Um, I just being rigorous with that, I think, was, was again, nothing phenomenal, nothing new. Um, and I think we are often quite guilty of trying to think too much outside the box and reinvent the wheel. A lot of great agency is rooted in stuff that we've been doing for 20, 30, 40 plus years. 100%. So you mentioned my favourite C word there, consistency. Okay. So how do agents become consistent in their actions? So how did you get disciplined? that you knew to do the prospecting, creating opportunities consistently? It, hard work because I am not naturally an organized type of person. You know, right. I'm <clears throat> kind of a fly by the seat of my pants type individual. Um, and sometimes I'd be sat in my branch at eight, nine o'clock at night, printing off canvassing letters because I wasn't disciplined enough. Um, I kind of didn't mind it at the time. I was 21, 22. You know, what else am I going to do? Go home and watch Corrie. Um, you know, so it, it was fine, but it burns you out, right? You know, why, why would you be sat in a branch at eight, nine o'clock at night? It's just madness. So I think wherever possible, having a bit of a structure to your day, and this is whether you are an independent traditional estate agent, whether you work at one of the corporates, um, you know, whether you're a self-employed agent, I think setting out, the things that you plan to do that week that you know are going to move your business that one notch forward and committing to doing it, I think is 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 the only way that, that you can get into a bit of a, um, a regime, as it were. And obviously, you know, with our business, our, our agents are, they're our business partners, they are self-employed. Um, you know, we will encourage them with what we've seen in terms of behaviours that other agents have done that have made them successful. But ultimately, it's it's down to them, right? Because they don't have to do as anything that we say. Um, but you do see, you know, whether somebody wants to commit two days a week on their agency business or six and a half days a week, having that plan to maximise, you know, the outcomes of your time is is important. And that's just that's all walks of life. That's regardless of what job that, that you do. Right. And what role within a state agency you've got. Um, you know, one thing I was always guilty of in a branch is I'd sit there, we'd get a cup of tea, we'd been gossiping away, nabbing away, all of a sudden two hours have gone and your area manager's calling you going, where's your FS pledges for the day? <laughs> okay, how do you get, so accountability is really important, um, getting people to, uh, to actually do the stuff that you're giving them. So... Um, again advice and tips on holding people accountable and should there be consequences i mean the ultimate consequence if they don't do it is they're not going to earn what they're going to earn what they would earn anyway but you know should there be car carrots and sticks so um it was funny i had a conversation the other day with one of our um partner agents who had met up with his old high street branch team for drinking the pub 
And he said, what the bloody hell have I been talking to you in morning meetings for for the last 20 years? Because I don't do any of that now. And I suppose that it, it's not 100% right, it's not 100% wrong. I think often the problem, particularly with the state agency, with accountability, is that what's the point? And, and the point is often not described. It's a, you know, where are you getting your 25 viewings from today? Because that's what we've got on our KPI sheet. Well, what if we don't want 25 viewings? What if seven of those viewings were just berating somebody to go around to a property that we know isn't going to be suitable to them? You know, because it gives us some vanity, vanity metrics that we can go back to the seller and give them some bad advice. So I think often people are meeting these kind of KPIs or and then it's kind of said you've got no accountability or you're not matching up to uh, what you can do. But it's not actually thinking about how uh, what the important things are that we're doing within the businesses. So, you know, I think with anybody running any business, it's more about what do we want the outcome to be? What's the best outcome that we could wish for? Let's think of all the ways that we're not going to reach that outcome. And that could be not booking X, Y and Z viewings or not doing this, not doing this. And what's best practice look like? And actually just knowing in ourselves to reach that end goal, we need to get as close to that best practice as we possibly can. But for me, that doesn't necessarily look like particular targets uh, or specific metrics. But again, I understand that that must be really difficult because if I was running a high street branch um, or had my own traditional setup, I'd be so inclined to, to say to my negotiators, well, I want you to book 25 viewings because it makes me feel good that you've actually done some work today because how else do I measure it? So it's difficult. Um, hence why I don't run a traditional outfit anymore because if I jump off the top of a tall building, <laughs> quite frankly. So let's talk about recruitment. And actually you talked, you know, you've, you've worked with a lot of people, mentored a lot of people. Um, over the years so what does it take to be a top performer and if you're looking how do you go and find these top performers because at the moment there's um you know i think it's quite hard you know i know obviously whether it's the employed model the self-employed model um you know do i jump to become a self-employed model you know you're seeing some people that are doing it that aren't doing it um that feel comfortable when they're doing it um with what they're doing at the moment but let's just start what does it take to be a top performer well i suppose it initially comes down to what your organization is looking for because i think top performer there's no um sort of distinct definition of that and it will look different in every business so how i would start is looking at hopefully you have some top performers already otherwise we're in a really bad place but let's say that you have so here's the kind of blueprint for what we're looking for um this profiling for me this profiling i think is absolutely brilliant what are the characteristics of how that person behaves in a work environment and let me go and try and replicate those behaviors in those next hires that, that I bring in. And you can do it at every level. You can do it at junior neg, you can do it at lister, you can do it at branch manager. And for me, the psychology behind it's really interesting to see actually who um, really flourishes in, in those different roles. You know, the, the age old thing has always been that a great lister doesn't necessarily make a great branch manager. 
And it's true, right? Because particularly if you look at disc profiling, um, you know, if you want um, a high I followed by a D or a high D followed by an I, probably going to be an absolutely spot on lister. But are they going to have the um, sort of rigorous um, sort of, um, you know, uh, ability to be very regimented in the same way that you'd need to be as a branch manager and therefore need some of those other characteristics, the steadiness, the conscientiousness coming in. Um, but yeah, I would say, look, you can do free disk profiling online. It's not as in, uh, sort of um, elaborate as signing up to Thomas International, but something like that's very, very expensive and probably not um, uh, you know, in a lot of people's reach. So, yeah, if I was looking to recruit today, I would look at who are the people that are performing in the way that fits our businesses um cultural ideals and, and and what we believe to be successful and go out and use that disc profiling as part of the recruitment um uh, sort of process to, to find those great matches i also think just disc in general if you are working with people um as uh, you know neg to customer if you are working within a team i'm a lister and i've got a branch manager and negs and a mortgage advisor if i'm a business leader understanding your own disc profile, understanding how you can use your strengths from within that profile, and then also learning how you can counteract with other people is just a brilliant tool anyway in any walk of life. Okay, fantastic. So Not one of the things... disc profile or anything, but... <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure you haven't got, you sure you haven't got shares in it? The shares, are just, <laughs> the shares have just risen. But actually, you know, I wonder if this book's here. This is a brilliant book um surrounded by idiots this is such a fantastic book and it's all about how in life we've probably all said oh it's a bloody idiot or everyone's oh, stupid people everywhere and it's because people act so differently um they said there's kind of again sort of similar to the disc profile and the sort of four main um characteristics in terms of how we uh, interact in that if somebody is the total opposite to us, we find it very difficult um, not to think they're stupid, but they're not stupid. They're just acting uh, in a way that's natural um, to, to how they live. And so that's a brilliant book. If again, if you deal with people either as your customers uh, or your colleagues, uh, uh, Thomas Erickson. Okay, thank you. He's got another book as well called Surrounded by Psychopaths, but I haven't got onto that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> so what else do you do then to self-improve yourself? Uh, who, men who, who mentors a mentor? <laughs> I mean, I've been lucky to um, work with brilliant people throughout my career, uh, many of whom I still talk to. Um, you know, obviously my mum and dad being an estate agency, although we often now row more than anything, it's like, you haven't sold a house for 20 years, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, but, you know, I, I've worked with brilliant people. We had such a great leadership team, I believe, at Purple Bricks, and people can scoff at that if they uh, wish. Um, more recently so, I think actually just choosing to engage with people further on LinkedIn. Um, you back on my in my high street days to say that I would have picked up the phone to another estate agent outside of my own organization I would have laughed in your face quite frankly I hated them I thought they were all idiots hence why I need to read this book um but now uh, it's 
collaboration, right? You know, I've got a, a virtual meeting uh, with one of the market centre managers from Keller Williams on Friday. You could call them a direct competitor to us, um, but we're interested in talking, how's your business growing, pain points, all of that. Um, there's guys I speak to on a regular basis from traditional agencies, and that in itself is a learning tool. Um, and even now with, I mentioned this, I was on a, a webinar with Sprift. Partnerships are so important and the advance of prop tech means that we have much more uh, opportunity to have, build these partnerships. You know, back in the day, you, you, you had your right move, whatchamacallit person that came around once a quarter to upsell you and the girl from the paper. That was your partnership, right? As an estate agency uh, business. Now you've got all these different pieces of prop tech. Um, you know, uh, we partner with Sort Legal from a conveyancing perspective. I've got a great relationship with the guys over there. And it's just the ability to be able to learn from other people that are connected to your industry, but at different parts of the process that I think is, is great. But I am a massive fan of reading. Um, I'm a massive Simon Sinek fan. I think some of our agents get so bored of me quoting Simon Sinek left, right and centre. Um, but yeah, you can probably see there's my, some of my books up there. It's good copy of Start With Why. And also, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's actually a phrase, a phrase I use all the time if I think somebody's, you know, getting a bit grumpy or moaning about something, um, you know, that they don't need to. I always say, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> <laughs> a nice way to kind of say, get back in your yeah. box. <laughs> Dale, Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Um, so you talk about success leaves clues and um you know obviously i totally agree and with the individuals that you've worked with you know i've got to know michael and kenny with um, being a founder member of agents together and even though i'm still don't agree with purple bricks and all the things about it you know um i've been very impressed um by by them um so again with the people that you surrounded yourself with what lessons have you learned from them Well, I suppose from a personal development perspective in terms of things that I really needed to learn, one, uh, this is actually a lesson from Kenny Bruce, actually, you can't save everybody. You can't make everybody. And so part of my role at PB, um, I uh, we built the customer support centre. <laughs> Judge me on that how you wish. Um, <laughs> We initially had a group of 12 people answering a couple of hundred phone calls a day. And within 18 months, that was, you know, a 200 seat uh, omni-channel contact centre. We serviced four and a half thousand phone calls on a Monday, as an example. God knows what it is today, um, but, but that's where we're in. You know, uh, not everybody uh, is going to have the same work ethic and drive um, and ability and you can plow so much energy into people because you believe you want them to be like you and that they should feel the same passion as you do. But it's not always going to be the case. And I, Kelly Bruce said to me one day, called me and said, you know, you just, you cannot save everybody. Not everybody is going to believe the way that you believe and act the way that you act. And sometimes you have to let it go. And that was really tough for me because I was always of the opinion, I can save everybody. I can make everybody the best that they can be. But it's a two-way relationship because they've got to be on that journey uh, in, in the same way as, as you as well. 
And I think patience really is one of the things I've learned from most people um, that I've worked with. Um, although I suppose Michael Bruce, I hope you don't mind me saying, he's not the most patient of <laughs> um, But yeah, I'm so massively impatient. I want things to be have happened yesterday. Uh, and again, sometimes when people haven't got quite the same um, momentum, shall we say, as I have, because as you can probably I am quite excitable, quite loud, you know, let's get going, woohoo, rah, rah. Um, so I think, yeah, just taking a step back and, and again, things like the disc profile, things like reading books like Surrounded by Idiots and just appreciating that you can actually have a very similar goal. There'll just be very different routes that people need to go on to get there. Uh, and having a bit of patience and a bit of humility, I think, is probably one of the best things that, that you can have. Brilliant. Couple of final things before I leave you. So thank you very much for your time. Um, Agents Together. So I just want to thank you on behalf of all the founders for getting involved. Um, what made you decide to get involved and be a mentor and how do you find being a mentor? I suppose I didn't really know what to expect um, to, to start with. Um, Kenny, had, Kenny Bruce mentioned to myself and um, a couple of people we were with at the time what they were doing. Would I consider um, being a mentor? And I said, yeah. Then you kind of have that sort of imposter syndrome, like, oh, how am I going to mentor somebody? I'm not even sure. Uh, I know what this is. But um, I think, one, it's enjoyable. Uh, and I said this before we, we, we went live today. From a really selfish standpoint, it's so enjoyable because you get to impart some knowledge to somebody that there's no that they can take it on board or they don't have to right it's not the same relationship as when you have a manager and you're given advice and sometimes you may feel like you have to take that advice because they're your manager and there may be repercussions if you don't it's just a free trade of information um where there's no hidden agenda you know i if i mentor somebody doesn't impact me in any way shape or form whether they take my advice or not um but actually when they go out and take that advice and their own business improves uh, or their own life improve, life improves it's a real sense of, of satisfaction that you do not get in a manager to employee um employer to employee relationship and that's very very different i think it's also really good to you learn stuff yourself so, um, you know, I've mentored a number of self-employed agents that work under different uh, brokerages than, than my own. And they'll be like, oh, I had struggled with this particular issue. And then we'll start talking it through and I'll go, oh, my God, I didn't even think about that. Because it's just that, again, free collaboration um, of, of ideas um, that, that is brilliant. And I think what a great thing to do for our industry where it always has been rather cutthroat. It always has been rather closed. Collaboration in general, as I you know, alluded to earlier, just isn't something that we've naturally done. Um, and it is, it is so important. And if we, I believe everybody within this industry wants it to get better. I think we want to be viewed in a better way by our clients. I think we want to have, um, still competition but better relationships with our competitors now i always used to say 
I always wanted to go out against the really good agents. It's more fun when I won. <laughs> but, you know, to have that is brilliant. And, you know, I speak to a lot of people, particularly kind of London agents, where there's always been much more of a collaboration. Like you can go for drinks on a Friday night quite naturally with somebody from a different brand. But, you know, doing that on the streets of Liverpool, it just wouldn't really have happened back in, back in my day, certainly. Um, I think that's all really important. And, you know, here's a group of people who are coming together on their own time not getting paid to do so that really want to exchange ideas to help improve those inter um sort of industry relationships which in turn will make us all better raise our game and get us to the point where we are viewed as a profession by the outside consumer in a way that they probably don't view us now Good. Well, I also want to thank you for getting involved in the Computer for Schools campaign, because I think that's touching on what you were saying. That's something that is going to help um, the perception of estate agents and what they're going to do with uh, um, giving laptops and computers and tablets to schools in their community. I think that's going to make a massive difference. So if you are watching, listening and you're wondering what the hell I'm talking about, please get in contact with me about how um, agents are making a difference up and down the country by donating part of their completion monies and then getting a laptop or tablet um, sent back to them. Um, Steph, thank you for being an amazing guest. If people want to get hold of you, apart from finding you on LinkedIn and maybe commenting once on Pi, um, <laughs> where, where can they hear from you? Where can they find you, please? Uh, so my, my telephone number is on my LinkedIn, but it's 07389-895-778. If you just want to chinwag, if you want to argue with me about purple bricks, whatever it might be, always up for a good debate. I actually love a debate. If you want to argue with me about the self-employed model as well and why it's wrong and why it won't work, love that conversation too. Um, or Steph with a PH, not an F, at theagencyuk.com. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I personally want to collaborate with lots and lots more uh, estate agents over the next 12 months in our similar models in traditional models um so if you can feel i can be of any help to anybody in any way get in touch and sign Brilliant. up for agents together and sign up for computers and schools you've been told you can, you can come again <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much for being an amazing guest really grateful for your time thank you so please share it like it um get your colleagues listening to it and I look forward to seeing you all next time. Have a good evening, afternoon, day, morning, whenever you're out there watching this thing. Thank you. Bye. Stephen.